Hi and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts this week. We watched Hidden Figures, directed by Theodore Melfi and released in 2016. The plot of Hidden Figures goes something like this. The story of three black women mathematicians, Catherine Johnson, Mary Jackson and Dorothy Vaughan, NASA computers, who played important roles in the first American space flights. Um, but yeah, this movie was like, it was fine. It was cute. It was like sweet. Everybody, you know, mm-hmm. the girls did a great job. It was fun. And it was fine. Yeah. That's about it. Like it's got all these moments, you know, it, 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 it's very kind of formulaic. It's very tropey. It's not subtle. Um, but like it's cute and it's fun and it's bright and, and there's no real kind of like, I think it, it, it's not, doesn't go too deep into the subject matter. Mm. It's trying to be more kind of like a heroic story about these guys' lives than a damning tale of, uh, of segregation and, Mm. um, racial relations, which kind of makes it a little bit like light. Yes. It's very sort of light and fluffy viewing. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, you've got three black ladies in the lead. Only one of them's really skinny. That's really cool. Yeah. I, um, and they're, you know, two of them are over 40. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, they are. So that's great. Playing yeah. characters who are over 40 as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and they're not sexualized and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of good things about it. I, I thought it was really fun. I just don't think it's like the best movie ever. Yeah, I didn't find that either. Uh, I can imagine – uh, if you're a little black girl going along to see it, it will be an amazing experience and it might turn you around on like what girls can do and what you can do. But I, and I think I spent so long looking forward to this as well. We've been waiting for this for months mm. and it, it's not officially out here yet for still for another week. So I, th- I possibly went in with slightly too high an expectations. Um, but at the same time, it's nice and it's sweet and I couldn't – like I, I would definitely say go and see it. Mm. But it isn't anything special. It's not not a not hard hitting. It's not. It's very like populist. I think you know, like popular. I think that's the wrong word. But you no, know, I actually think you're right. Yeah, it's it's made for to be popular. It's made and and that's great. I think for the subject matter and for what they're trying to do. Yep. What this movie does is perfect because it it is so like all of the middle aged white guys in the audience were laughing at the jokes and they were having a good time and and there were there a were, lot of them in the audience. As oh well. my god, so many! It was awful audience, yeah. horrible experience. Like just, I was really cranky. But anyway, yeah, we, we um, both had gross old men sitting next to us, um, and and I was like, why are there so many old white men? And Katie's like, well, they remember the space program, yeah, so space it's doing its job. Um, it doesn't make a white audience uncomfortable. In fact, it's like deliberately been engineered not to make a white audience uncomfortable. Well, they kind of take a little bit of a stab at like white feminism with yep. Kirsten Dunst's character, but there's no like the men. Are... Men get off a lot easier. <laughs> the white men get off yeah, a lot easier. Yeah, and it's like especially um, like Kevin Costner's character, who is like the white male savior of this movie. Yeah. Um, we need to talk about that bathroom scene later as well. But um, the like. And, you know, the, the black men as well, like there's Mahershala Ali is in this movie. So is Aldous Hodge. Both big surprises to me. I got so excited when I saw Aldous Hodge that I like whacked Melissa and then bounced in my seat. Squealed. She squealed. <laughs> I, I was so excited. I don't know how I didn't know that he was going to be in this movie. But there he was in all of his 60s glory and he looked so good and I was so excited. Mm. Um, they make a cute couple oh, too. Oh, yeah. Aldous Hodge and Janelle Monáe, like he, all of the husbands – that we see, we don't see Dorothy Vaughan's husband at all. But we do see him. We just don't. He just doesn't have. He doesn't but the have other any lines. two, um, 
Mahershal Ali playing Katherine Johnson's husband, Jim Johnson, I think, mm-hmm. and um and Mary Jackson's husband played by Aldous Hodge. Oh, who so I can't dreamy. Remember his character name either, but they were just like the most amazing husbands, like mm. so. Well, no, see, they had to start out. No, they started out saying the wrong thing. And then they came around to doing the right thing at the mm. end of the in, movie. In a very sort of gentle way. They yes. were both decent, really decent guys. And they looked and so good. I'm so, they looked so good in this movie. Like, uh, mm. I can't remember the woman who did the costumes was Renee something or other. But, man, she made those boys look good. Like, there's this blue shirt oh, that Mahershala suits. Ali is wearing in the second scene where he see, where we see oh, him. Oh, you whispered something to me and I didn't know what you – Yeah, It was okay. the shirt. It was about the shirt. I couldn't talk too loudly because I'd piss off the guy next to me. Um <laughs> And uh, and the Aldous Hodge costumes were great. The costumes in this whole movie were great. There's this one shot of Janelle Monae that's when she tells her boss guy that she's um, she got into the program. Mm. And it's only for two seconds. And her costume's the best costume in the whole movie for that two seconds. Yeah, everybody looked really good in this. I just thought it was really enjoyable. <laughs> I enjoyed was, watching them. This... And having those dreamy husbands for them oh, was great. Well, I mean, it's, it is interesting because it also is kind of like straight women – sort of need someone at home supporting them in order to actually be exceptional like a, a that that kind of it's it's reversing a, a the trope of the supportive wife it's actually giving them someone at home yeah but it's also very like female gazy right yeah. like oh, yeah. the, when the women are like when the lead women are not overly sexualized and they're scientists and they're doing their jobs but the guys are really hot <laughs> yeah and they're like they're at church like teasing each other and and ogling oh, so john cute. glenn who is incredibly handsome in this film yeah it's um um the guy from everybody wants some that yeah. i said was good i think i remember saying he was good and everybody wants some mm. the the philosophy he's philosophical ridiculously handsome as john glenn yeah. john glenn is like Perfection. But also really charming. Like every mm. scene that he's in, you sort of get this lift out of it because he's so like sweet oh, and charming and gorgeous. Yeah, he's absolute perfection. Another he's my white favorite white guy in the movie. In the movie. <laughs> he's my favorite white guy in the movie. Because yeah. he's not like the other ones feel a little kind of condescending mm. a lot of the time. And that's I mean, that's Jim Parsons' job, to be fair. But he's just playing Sheldon. Yeah. Um and he he does a good job of doing that. And there yes. needed to be someone in that well, role. Yeah, and and it's so. I mean, it's so unsubtle. They have him glaring at Catherine six or seven times in the first scene that they're together, right? Like every shot of him is him just glaring at her and not doing his work. And you're like, we get it, we understand. I feel like this movie could have been like half an hour shorter if they just cut out the things that they were repeatedly telling us instead of like having to constantly reaffirm these ideas. Mm. Um, there, I mean, there's there's so many repetitive bits, right? Like the running to the bathrooms, mm-hmm. which is so frustrating because it's the same three shots every time. Every time it's the same three locations of like it's different time. Mm. You know, they, they have one in the rain and one in the sun and she drops folders two out of the three times and oh my God, it's so like – it's so repetitive. And it's the same song every time, that Pharrell song that I just got really sick of. And then um, the re- repetition of him constantly glaring at her, the repetition of her trying to put her name on the on the reports, mm-hmm. the repetition of her giving him the reports in that same hallway. Like this is a movie that really hammers things home and I got a little bit frustrated with that. Mm-hmm. I think it was kind of kids movie-ish. Yeah. Um, and it did feel long beca- because of that as well. Right. Like, And that's the thing. If you're going to make it for kids, it can't be that long. It's too long. And it loses some of the pacing and stuff. It loses some of the effect when that happens. I did like the second scene in the movie. Movie almost opens – with a scene of the three women break their car breaking down and mm. then the white male Policeman. cop coming over and it's very pointed. Yeah. Um it's very much about like 
society then and society now and the the killings of black people and um all that sort of stuff it's great that was a really good scene mm. it was yes and adequately uncomfortable because i felt watching that scene much like i'd felt when the creepy old guy next to me started talking to me at the beginning of the movie like it was i, I actually i was scared you probably feel scared for them um and it's it's well done i was almost like it's a little too easy that he believed that they work for nasa well, but they have like I know they IDs do. and clearance, and they're driving like, down the road to NASA. Ever stopped white police officers hassling black people with legitimate reasons to be places? Yeah, I know, but I mean, the, I I don't think it's unbelievable mm. that he believed them. I think he was painted more as stupid than cruel or evil. That was it. Was a good that see it starts off on that real high with that because mm. that scene works out works so well. Um, it's not quite maintained though. Because things like that bathroom scene where eventually, and this is in the trailer, Kevin Costner goes and gets a crowbar and crowbars off the sign that says coloured women's bathroom, mm. um, which I think we know didn't really happen, yeah. that Catherine Johnson just gave up and was like, you know what, screw this, I'm just going to use the bathroom that's here mm. instead of going across the building. But Yeah, there was no big announcement, she just did it. Yeah. And I think other people followed and they were just sort of yeah, and that's made like, their own way. And that just felt so on the nose, especially as he has a whole speech that ends with, at NASA, we all pee the same colour. That was terrible. Oh, my God. That was a bad line. So bad. I feel like this, uh, that stuff was really unnatural as opposed to like the more natural chemistry of the girls when they were hanging out, um, which mm. were some of the best kind of nicer scenes, like the them getting drunk together and dancing and that sort of stuff. Oh, was with cute. their kids as well? When they were with their kids, which we didn't see a whole lot of. I thought that was good, though, because, like, Catherine Johnson did raise three girls <laughs> as a single mother while doing all of this stuff, mm. but she it's its about her at work. It sort of, you don't, um, it's part of her life, but it's not her whole life. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that was nice, I thought. Yeah, she's so cute and nerdy in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's adorable. It's um, interesting. Sometimes, like, um, you see, like, a bit of Taraji come through, though. Mm. I was reading an interview with uh, Taraji P. Henson just today actually about this role and she was talking about how she finds Cookie Lion a lot easier to play because in, she's sort of naturally very exuberant yeah. and out there and for Catherine Johnson she had to kind of tone it down quite yeah. a lot because she's not like that but you do see that come out a bit like her exuberance and her excitement mm. um, but she in the interview she talks about how she met Catherine Johnson who's still around and 98 years old and still married to the same guy who must also be in his late 90s. And That's she, the sweetest story. It's just gorgeous. Um and but she talked about meeting her and and being like she's you know fairly straight and, and nerdy but then when she talk, starts talking about maths her whole body lights up and she just is so excited and so into it and I love that the way that she made that come through yeah she was really good I thought she was the best of the three of them um, yes and she, it's, it's, and it's, it's her movie really yeah and it's very much you know she's the cute nerdy one and then Janelle Monae is the like sassy you know flirty one and then mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer's the mum friend <laughs> like yeah th- but. I love the way that it turns it on its head because Janelle Monae is also the first black woman to become an what's it? What am I thinking? Engineer, an astronaut. Yeah, but it's like an astro aeronautical engineer. Oh, in like she was the first black woman to become an aeronautical engineer, and um, Octavia Spencer's character is like one of the early expert computer programmers. Mm. Like they were neither of them are just like sidekicks. Well, no. They've all got their own story and their own important bits. That's not really turning it on its head, though. That's just each of them have an important thing that they got to do that. Yeah, but then they're not sidekicks, though. No, it's nice. I didn't mean people. They were sidekicks, but like, uh, and and Catherine's not a sidekick either, but she still fits into a trope. Mm. Like, I'm. It's more. What I was saying is more about like them, you know, fitting into like neatly defined character roles and things rather than 
being like um it's it's very kind of like disneyfied and oversimplified mm. these are the character traits of each person and this is what they're going to do for the movie and and they did that even through the credits you know the in the credits like mm. um aldous hodge's character is represented by a photo of a protest it's i presume that's a real photo of the real Levi I don't Jackson. think it is. Well, the others were real I know they of, were, but I, yeah. I'm not sure about that one because okay. I think that, like, some of the other people were represented by photos of their character trait rather than the photos of the, the mm. people themselves. Yes, true. Um, and I think, that, like, I think um, a couple of the white guys were. Yeah, well, presumably they weren't actual real people. Um, or, or they were amalgamations of yeah. people or something. So, yeah, that might have been a real photo of him, but mm. there's a reason why they chose that protest one. That's That was his character. Yeah. He kept talking about the um black people's rights and he kept you know he showed the kids the videos video of the interview of the guys who were bombed in the bus and things like that so that was his Hmm. like defining character trait so like it was very much you know this person is this thing this person is that thing and they all fit into that really neatly and Mm -hmm. nobody ever kind of blurs the lines of that exact kind of character trait no um yeah he's like the 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 civil rights movement we have to talk about it but we don't have to make a big fuss about it kind of thing right and he's only in a few scenes, but I think he did a good job. I'm biased. <laughs> yes. I thought the music was fine. Like, I, I discovered at the end of it, there's Pharrell's name everywhere. Mm. And um, I was like, oh, okay. But the music's just kind of there. Like, the songs that they were doing were clearly kind of trying to, you know, be 60s-ish. Mm-hmm. That was so badly phrased. I'm sorry. But they were. They were trying to, like, be... Sorry. I couldn't remember the word aeronautical a few minutes ago. <laughs> so, yeah. They were trying to, like, go for that kind of vibe. And, mm. but like you could kind of tell that it was just off from that. It's fine. Yeah. I just didn't, none of them really stood out to me as being good. Yeah. Well, it was, it was the same because we were thinking about the, we noticed this as a female cinematographer, which is very, very rare, but, and she's Australian too. Um, huh. But it is, I don't think it's a, nothing special huh. about it. Like it's got cute and clever use of 60s footage and all that kind of stuff. It probably does it better than Jackie, um, which we did a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure about that, actually, because there's a moment when they're do- using the 60s footage and then they have a shot of, like, the real time, like, the current, mm. you know, the, uh, sorry, the, the real people, the, the nah. actors. <laughs> so then they have a shot of, like, the actors in the set. Yes. Right? And it's very obviously not the same photo stock, but they make it black and white at the beginning of the shot and then they transition it. And you're like, you're not tricking anybody. This is very obviously different from what you've just shown yeah, us. Yeah, but it, is it felt like in better, Rogue One. Better than Jackie. Though. <laughs> you know, in Rogue One, when they kept like using the footage of the old oh, pilots. Oh, yes. That and, was awful. Yeah. And you were like, this is clearly really different film stock mm. from what we've been. And like, it sounds different and everything. It's so obviously not mm. the same I thing. I just thought it was better used in this one because it. They weren't trying – they didn't try and recreate too much of it. Yeah. yeah, they just used it for using, you know, bits of TV stock. But I didn't – yeah, I didn't really think that I didn't realise this took this – I, you know how bad I am with dates. I sort of didn't realise that this took place around the same time as Jackie until, like, yeah. I saw JFK and then I realised and I remembered – how much the actor in Jackie looked like JFK. Mm. Yeah. But, was, you know, I'm bad with dates. Like, I mm. knew all of that stuff happened in the 60s. But beyond well, yeah. that, I just – Well, I didn't know a lot of detail about this. Like, I'd heard of Alan Shepard. I hadn't heard of the other guy who went up in the – Gus something. Grissom. I, yeah. He, I'd never heard of him. And John Glenn. I have heard all of those names before. I, obviously, I've heard of John Glenn. John Glenn, um, he was still alive when this film was being made. He only passed away, like, in the last couple of months. Mm. So obviously I'd heard of John Glenn, but yeah, um, 
I was a bit like you. I didn't really know a lot of the detail of, especially of things that come before Apollo Eleven. Mm. So that, yeah, that to me was interesting. I actually thought, though, even though I didn't think there, it didn't look particularly special. Um, you talked about costuming before. I thought the production design was really good. That that set of the main space program office, you know, with Captain mm. Cosmos' big glass office overlooking this big round room and the giant blackboards. That was a really and the map good, on the wall. I like really liked. good set. Mm. It and it was a bit different from. Normally when you see a space movie, you're at um, Houston and you're watching, you know, the mission control room and it was actually a different view of, you know, other parts of NASA. But yeah. it was still a really good office set. Yeah. I, I think that's the thing is that like because it does pretty well on all that sort of stuff for the most part in the movie. That was why I think I got frustrated with those running scenes where I didn't get the idea of mm. what because the layout was. Because you only need to see – yeah, oh, that's right. You, yeah, when she runs across campus. Because it takes her 40 minutes. And from what we see, it's apparently half a mile away, which is like, what's that, like nearly a kilometre. Right. So, but from what we see, it's only like two buildings away yeah. because they keep shooting the same area for every time that she goes yeah. across. So it doesn't work, I think, is the problem no. with it. Like it's such a major plot point, but it doesn't right. get across what they wanted yeah. to get well, across. And then the thing is, they get it gets across anyway when you look at the production design of the the West Computing offices. Mm. You know the the main office with all of its marble and its beautiful clean walls, and then the West Computing office, the the black office with all the with it. It's crowded and it's cramped, and you can see that the office itself. The women have made it like their own space, and that but they're all they're all crowded in there. The building is old. The toilets are old. I just remembered the bit with the coffee. Oh, yeah. It's so unsubtle, man. It's just ah. like – it just hits you over the head every single minute with these things. But they're not – because they're not digging in too deep with it. It just feels like, you know, it. Mm. That, that it's there just to remind you constantly that, like, these are all the things that are yeah. going to have to change. You know what did – what I did think was interesting, actually, is the language that Kevin Costner's character would use when addressing everybody or addressing the um, old white man council. Mm. Where he would constantly talk about men and he would say gentlemen and then he would say, call your wives wives and things like that. And you could clearly see the women in the room because all the men in the room were wearing white shirts with black ties and that's it. It must have been NASA uniform because that's what all the men wear in all NASA movies ever. Yeah. But the women were wearing like colors and there's that one, you know, that's, Mm. I was, I noticed a lot of the color matching and stuff. I don't know. I seem to be particularly switched on to that in this movie for some reason. Mm. But like earlier in the movie, there's a scene where, um, Mahershala Ali's character and uh, asks Taraji P. Henson that Catherine to dance. So Jim asks Catherine to dance and they're both wearing different shades of blue, but they're complementary shades of blue. There's lots of teal in this, in this movie. I've just realized the car is teal. He's that shirt that you talked about is teal. Yeah. And that's like, mm. but all the teal things are like good things, you know, that's yeah. always like, this is a good, like even that room that we were just talking about is teal. Mm-hmm. So these are all like the good places, the good things. These are things that and they want us to associate the black with women's Catherine. office is orange as well. Te- yeah. Teal and orange. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I noticed the teal and orange actually. Yep. But, um, but th- those yeah. are the things that they want Catherine, us to associate yeah. with positive things and with Catherine. Mm. Right. So, uh, you know, when he comes in in that shirt, you're like, oh, he's obvious. This is obviously 
um, set up to make him a good match for Catherine mm. as opposed to the first one when he's in the uniform. But then, so she's wearing teal in that scene. Like that's the color she's wearing in that scene mm. with all the white guy, all the guys in their white shirts. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so she stands out so much yep. and she's in this position where he has to keep walking in front of her because everybody's in this kind of U shape yep. around and him. And she's right at the she's, center of the U. Right. And he still kind of says, gentlemen and call your wives. Yeah. So it, it's, it's very like, Again, this movie's not subtle, so that's a very yeah. obvious thing that they're trying to do. Like, it, there's this sexism that's happening too, and they address the sexism less than the racism a lot of the time, but mm. they kind of try to do both of them with the Mahershala Ali's character is also like, I can't believe they let women do computing um, and <laughs> stuff like that, you know? Who else is going to do it, mate? <laughs> Ever- <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's, yeah, that's it. Um, it's like, it's it's not it, yeah. subtly done. No, not even a little. But then again, it doesn't have to be for this kind of movie for what it's doing. It's I don't think it's meant to be subtle, it, and the whole campaign around it, the whole all the publicity, all that kind of stuff. The whole the way it um it gained momentum really as well because it it's done huge box office. Yeah, it like it enormous star- numbers. Was it Star Wars? It yeah, Star Wars? It, it, it ousted um Rogue One, but it's also taken in over a hundred million dollars domestically, mm. which is big numbers for a movie like this. And it it keeps going as well. It's got this really good word of mouth. Mm. Um. Which we've noticed has happened in Australia, at least with Lion. Um, but this one, so it's kind of, yeah. It's this one's have, less preachy than Lion. Yeah. It, it is meant to have broad. Well, not preachy, but inspir- like yeah. less like faux inspirational yeah. kind of thing. Yes. But it is still meant to be like inspirational and broad and, yeah, you're right, populist. But I think it's. But nice populist. Yeah. I think it's less like, there's, there were fewer times when I felt like it was trying to, like trying to inspire me. You know, there were only a few mm. times like when Janelle Monáe talks to the judge and things like that when I felt like it was trying really hard to inspire yeah. me and it didn't have the big swell of music and stuff like that that I always associate with that, that that's the thing that really yeah. annoys me and that happens a lot more in Lion. But like preachy is debatable but definitely less kind of in your face like this is inspirational kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, despite all the bits that were a bit on the nose. Yeah, um, but it just wasn't in that way on the nose. It was on the nose in other ways. Um, but it does feel like a movie that you could like show kids, you know, like in classrooms, like this is this real history of scientists. And wouldn't you guys like to be scientists? Isn't yeah. it cool? That sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's also good because like it's getting their names out there. Like mm. these are women who weren't hurt, who had not really been heard of until this book and this movie sort of oh, came I thought you meant the actresses. Not no, the, no, not I the actresses. Like, I think we've heard of those three. I mean, Catherine Johnson and yeah. Mary Jackson and Dorothy Vaughan. Well, Catherine Johnson's name's been all over the place lately. Yeah, but only since this movie started mm. to get publicized. Well, that's the point that I was trying Yeah, Yeah, and, and so they're out there and they're all, it also, it, it's like, proper demonstration of women's roles in history and how they've been erased afterwards, right? Mm. So you don't remember their names or we're not taught their names when you learn about the space program or you learn about the 60s. So we're fixing it up and it's and it's not we're not just fixing it up by saying, yeah, yeah, they were there too. We're saying they were there and this is exactly what they did and what they did was important and don't forget mm. about them. So there is that aspect as well. I do think there's an aspect as well of like part of that is because the people who get remembered are the people who went to space, not the people who did the calculations to get people to space. No. But, of course, the people who did the calculations to get the people to space were never going to be the people who get to go to space. Because no, and, well, and, and it's also very well, well known first. that women were deliberately excluded from the NASA training program, even though they were qualified mm. women. There was all this systemic... Um, you, exclusion of women from do you know space when program. may jamison was a pilot was, was she it was an na- astronaut was that in the 80s 80s i think because i wouldn't i was trying to figure that out 
in the because um mm, when yes. Catherine got the little drawing from her daughter of her in a spaceship that was really mm. really cute. I was trying to figure out because she was the first black woman in space, yes, right? Yes, she and was. I think she went up in the nineties. Literally, the only way that I can tell you that the only reason that I remember that is because she was on Star Trek. Yep. That's that's my whole kind of that's the yeah. reason that I know her name and know who she was. But yeah, um, I was kind of remembering that and and trying to figure out how long it took after this movie. Nineteen ninety two. There you go. So and she years. was yeah. So and I think I seem to remember Mae Jemison like isn't part of her story that she grew up watching Star Trek and things like that yeah. and seeing. Uhura. It is because that yeah. was it's in that representation post that goes all around yeah, all the time um, about like how um, Uhura inspired Whoopi Goldberg, who then was yeah. inspirational. But to also, her. Nichelle Nichols was hired by NASA to go out and recruit yeah. black women, and that's how they got Mae Jemison into the program. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was slow progress, but they were always there. But it also shows you the importance of representation, I suppose, yeah. which this movie then comes back into. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's really important that it's there. Yeah, and it will get little girls like wanting to be astronauts yeah and, and there's it, not too many like ma- i mean it's it's cute there's not, not no major flaws with the mm. movie like the pacing's a little too slow but it's not kind of horrifically offensive in any way that it's not terribly written it's not like there's nothing that's an overwhelming flaw in this movie mm. that i can point to and say well it's not a good movie it is it's a good movie it's yeah. well made it's very competently made i think yeah like everybody is kind of doing their bits everybody is on a really decent level, it's all kind of coming together well, and it three, works. The three leads in particular seem also very conscious of the role they're playing. But also they have great chemistry. They do. Oh, I, I mean, I mean, like off screen. I yeah. mean, like Octavia Spencer buying out cinemas for underprivileged girls who couldn't afford to go to the movie, mm. like that kind of stuff. They're very conscious of what it represents and who they're doing this for, which I think is is kind of lovely. And, yeah, and it, and it is all very competent. I wouldn't be surprised if we go under for this one because it's just like – it's fine. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot to really dig into because it doesn't present a lot of depth for you to dig into. Mm. Um, it's, oh, not, it's not quite like Moonlight where you no. can like pick apart every minute of that movie yeah. and it would all be like interesting. Yeah, and it's it's just not as intense. Um, I did remember what I was thinking about. It's also a movie about the space program at a time when the space program pretty much doesn't exist anymore. And it's mm. a bit like it feels a bit like The Martian from a couple of years ago where – it, it's kind of remembering the glory days of the space program, remembering you know, the optimism of a time when we were actually trying to achieve something really positive and exploring and, and furthering human exploration. As I long as you're up against the Russians. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to beat those Russians. Yeah. Well, that was funny to me. Oh, the other thing was that was funny to me in this movie was how anti-computers it is. <laughs> it was like, can't trust that technology, man. Well, the <laughs> IBM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the IBM. It was really funny how oh, anti yeah. machine it was, uh-huh. um, and an anti computer, and like mm. when it John like, Glenn make says, sure you make sure you get the girls to check the numbers. Yeah, but when John Glenn says um, the thing about um, I fly the machine, but now it feels like the machine is flying me, <laughs> and uh, and then he um, when um, Kevin Costner says she did get it to a few more decimal points than the computer did, yeah, and the machine did, and stuff I like know. that. It was really, f- it was like just. It's so funny as well, looking at it from where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, like where you'd get the computer to check your work rather than the other way around, right? And the you know we're so close to the singularity. I mean, they and do also still- we just wouldn't do that maths anymore. Like it just no. You, I mean, there's some bits you would need to do, but you just well, no, inventing the maths. I think the thing where mm. she was like 
She had oh, to yeah. figure out a new way of, or she had to figure out the way of doing the the circles mm. and things like that. Like the maths is still important, and actually, being good at maths is really important for programming computers and mm. stuff like that as well. You know, so yeah. maths is still for all that. I am not a fan of maths. Um, it's still important, I think. I actually love maths and I love the bit where she was doing um she was doing those equations and it was like maths I could understand and I was like, Yay. Wow, okay, I couldn't understand anything. Um but then I like yeah, that well, they once- made it very clear what was going on at any point in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um that was great. Even though probably she wouldn't have needed all of those clarifications in that like no. scene with Jim Parsons. It at least explained it to us and I had an idea of what was going on. So I appreciated yeah, that. Yeah, well I mean But and- I couldn't understand any of the maths. No, I mean, I couldn't understand the NASA maths. I have, like, some university maths. I'm not, like, good at maths. I just – well, I mean, I am good at maths, but I'm not, like, into it. Also, that line where she talks to Mahershala Ali about the maths that she does Mm. doesn't sound like it came from a real mathematician. It sounds like it came from a script writer trying to explain (laughs) that. Because you're, like, you're really going to talk about sine and cosine and and then put in, like, the geometry that she was – Yeah. Like, those are not – I don't think those are really – comparable right now to each other i don't think that that is a line that sounds natural at all yes well because it it doesn't merge together because she talks about euclidean geometry or nuclidean geometry whatever i can't remember what the other kind of geometry she was using was but then she's like using sine and cosine like yeah uh (laughs) uh-huh which is triangles right yes yeah it, it seems like the screenwriter finally understood the maths and was like, I've got to put this line in. I'm yeah. so clever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it felt like. She was, the, 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 there was a female and male screenwriter. Yeah. She's and actually the only woman nominated for a screenwriting Oscar this year. Great. Yeah. Um, Oscar's so male. They are. They really are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And the, the cinematography thing, I'm still mad about them not nominating What's Her Face from Creed, mm. which deserved it so much. Yeah. But anyway, I, I I mean, it's great to see, like, the, you know, the movie was really fun and cute and I thought that – I actually also thought that the um, black cast was, in general, much better than the white cast. Mm. In general. There were a few in the white cast that I thought were good, like Glenn Powell I thought did a good job. Yeah, he was lovely. Um, who was John Glenn. But for the most part, I just, Kevin Costner was kind of sleepwalking through that role a little bit. Yeah. You know? oh, oh, I mean, I'm I'm hoping it was because the white cast knew that it was their time to, you know, take a seat and let the black cast shine. But, Yeah. Yeah, but to make a good movie, everybody's got to be good. Mm, yeah. You don't just not be good in a movie. Yeah. Like, c- that just doesn't – I mean, I get what you're saying, but I don't – Yeah, that, I, that reminds sure. me of my issues with La La Land. But, yeah, I, I just thought that maybe they weren't, like, trying. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst was a little, I don't know, sour. Yeah. I thought so, too. I just mm. felt like she was really under I th- – and I know she can do better than that. Mm. Um, And I thought Kevin Costner was really under, and I thought – well, I, I think Jim Parsons, that's pretty much all he can do. So, Yeah. That's well, no all anyone ever Parsons asks him to do. Fans out there, but that's that's it, right? Yeah. That's what he's got. So you can't really blame him for doing everything that he can do in this movie, but mm. it was fine. Yeah. Yep. You want to give it a rating? Sure. I'm going to give it three stars. I'm going to give it three and a half. That seems fair. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to find the show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Hidden Figures or any of the other movies that she watches, they're on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we are at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Um, My blog's on a little kind of mini hiatus at the moment. 
when it comes back, there might be some movies missing that we've reviewed on the podcast. This is because I lost my movie book <laughs> and I don't remember the movies that we've seen. So, um, yeah, if there are some reviews missing on the blog once I get started again, that's because I don't know what I've seen. Sorry. Bye.